Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. You got time to hear me preach just a little bit? Galatians 5. We got to keep it. We got to keep it. So we're going to be even more what we are. I don't care how often the Holy Spirit interrupts the service. I don't care if he interrupts it from the beginning to the end. I'm ready. I'm prepared. He knows I'm ready and prepared and prayed up and studied up. If he wants to interrupt what I prayed about and studied about, that's his business. He's the boss. Amen. Hallelujah. Peace, Galatians 5, peace in the life and the home of the believer is one of the highest evidences of God, of the presence of God in that life. And we've been talking about that, the peace of God. But what we're going to begin to see as we get more and more into this is how these fruit of the Spirit are supposed to be character traits of the believer. These fruit are the character and the nature of God being exhibited in the life of the believer. And we've been, the Lord had me starting on peace, and, and I, I personally believe when you look at all these fruit of the Spirit, none of them work just independently. In other words, if you are walking in love, you're going to have peace. If you're in peace, you're going to be in love. If you're long-suffering, it's because you're at peace. If you have peace, it's because you're long-suffering. And what people will do is they'll kind of cherry-pick these. Well, I need to, I need to be more long-suffering. But you have to develop them all collectively. You have to develop them all collectively. Say it out loud. I have to develop them all collectively. Amen. So Galatians 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Notice, against such there is no law. Well, that's not talking about just one particular fruit of the Spirit. It's talking about all seven of them. There's no law against these fruit of the Spirit. All right? These are the fruit of the reborn human spirit given to the believer at the time of salvation. And they're a part of the nature of God within the believer. When believers mistakenly, many believers mistakenly refer to these as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They're the fruit of the reborn human spirit. Now this is important because of their operation. You know, remember in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, you can write that down. Well, you don't have to go there. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, a discerning of spirits, uh, special faith, working of miracles, gifts of healing, uh, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Those are the nine gifts of the Spirit. And notice what it says there. It says those, those gifts are given to every man severally as the Spirit wills. Now, why is that important? Because he has gifts, the Holy Spirit has gifts 
that are distributed as he wills. The fruit of the Spirit are part of your reborn human spirit. And those fruit operate as we will or as we access them. Hallelujah. I was talking to one person one time. They said, well, you know, I was asking the Holy Spirit to help me because, you know, these are his fruit. Well, no, they're not. They're my fruit. They're my fruit in my spirit. And so the Holy Spirit divides his gifts severally as he wills because that's for the body. You understand? That's for the benefit of the body. But the fruit of the Spirit is for the benefit of me. It develops my character. It develops the character of God in me. Amen. And each of these fruit anchor us to an aspect of God and an aspect of His character. When the, the very first fruit is love. And the Bible says twice in 1 John 4 that God is love. And God, whatever God is, God can give. And anything that God can give, God is. If God wasn't peace, he couldn't give you peace. Well, God can do anything except be something he's not. That, that's why he can't lie. That's why he can't make people sick. That's why he can't rob you. Destroy your life. God doesn't destroy lives. The Bible says the devil's the destroyer. God can't destroy anybody because he doesn't have any destruction in him. Oh, hallelujah. So let's look here again. He talked about these fruits. These fruit. Well, let me say this. These fruit are a part or are, I should say, the nature of God in the believer. They are the nature of God and the believer. And these fruit are to be developed collectively. If you don't develop love, you can't develop peace. And if you don't develop peace, you can't develop long-suffering because they work collectively. They work dependent upon each other. If you show me a person that's very strong in love, I'll show you somebody that's very patient because you have to be patient with people to love them correctly. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad the Lord was patient with you? Glad he was patient with me. Amen. The development of each fruit aids in the development of the other fruit. Look at Romans chapter 8. Oh, hallelujah. Now, don't unhook from me. Stay hooked. It's so important. Because for where we're going... Character is vital. The Lord told us the fruit of the Spirit were vital. Romans 8 and 29, notice, for who he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now let's settle the issue right there. God has foreknew everybody. And he has predestined every person on this planet to be conformed to the image of his son. But here's the problem. There are, not, there are people that will never make Jesus their Lord. So God's plan will never come to fruition in their life. There are people that argue the doctrine of predestination. Well, you're, that, that's silly. You're arguing the Bible if you argue that doctrine. 
You're not, listen, why, why does every person in the entire world get a chance or an opportunity at some point in their life to give their lives to Jesus? Because everybody's predestined to be saved. Everybody that's predestined won't be saved because everybody won't receive Jesus. But everybody will get a chance because God has predestined every person for salvation. That's why the Bible says that Jesus died for all. Amen. Is that right? Now, see, people will say, why is that so important? It's a fundamental doctrine of the church. The reason why you witness is because God has predestined everybody to be saved. And you might be the person that they receive Jesus through. That's why he said, you go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. He that believes what you preach and is baptized will be saved. He that doesn't believe will not be saved. Why would you preach to somebody that it was not God's will for them to be saved? But yet there are people that will say it's God's will to save some, not God's will to save others. Then why should we preach to anybody? Why should I be? Listen, if that's the truth, let's all just leave right now and go fishing. Because I don't know who in here is going to heaven and who in here is going to hell. I don't know who's predestined to be in heaven and who's predestined to be in hell. If that was the case, then I'm wasting my time. I know every person in here, God predestined you to live forever with him in heaven. He predestined you to be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, healed, prosperous, victorious, and delivered in your life. All you got to do, here you go, keep it. You just got to receive it and keep it. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. So he said, notice, but notice this, to be conformed to the image of his son. Developing the fruit of the spirit in our lives aids in our conforming to the image of Christ. As we develop the fruit of the spirit, we're developing the character of Christ. And that aids me in conforming to his image. Understand, God doesn't conform you to the image. You conform to the image. Oh, hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, I'm conforming to his image. Amen. Tell him one more time. Say, I am conforming to his image. Ah, Now close your eyes, put your hand on your heart and say, I am conforming. To his image. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. And how, how does that happen? As we develop the fruit of the Spirit. We're developing the character of Christ. Let's look at Matthew 7. Oh, hallelujah. You know, a carnal Christian is a Christian, and, 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 I, and, I, and I heard this one time, and it really blessed me. It, the man said, when, when are we going to drop Christian and just say carnal? Right? <laughs> and, and, and that's true. But you know, you know where that comes from? No development of the fruit of the Spirit. If you're developing the fruit of the Spirit, carnality's got to go. Because there's works of the flesh. Notice he didn't call them fruit. Called them the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit matured in a believer's life will, will move out of the way 
and stop the works of the flesh because they'll be so full of the fruit of the Spirit. I don't have time to, to, to stay here, but two of the main, when it talks about the works of flesh, it says the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. The first two, adultery, fornication. Right? Guess what? Love will take care of both of those. Isn't that right? Just get rid of them. You're not going to commit adultery if you love the person you're married to. I've had people insinuate that they love their spouse committing adultery. No, you don't. Don't lie to me or lie to anybody else. No, you don't. That's just a lie. Well, you know, no, I don't know. I don't know. Not going to know. But my, my point is, so how do, you, how, do you, how do you get rid of that, love? Oh, glory. You know, it, it, it says there's a faction spirit. That one of the works of the flesh is division and a faction spirit. You can't walk in love and be in division at the same time. So, so what happens? You develop the fruit of the spirit gets so big in your life that the flesh has no more voice. That, that's what we're aiming for. There's no perfect Christians. There are just Christians who are further developed than others. Oh, glory to God. Matthew 7, and let's look here at verse 15. Beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly they are ravening wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Well, the answer is no. Verse 20, Whereby, wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. Now, in perfect context, Jesus is talking about false prophets. And notice what he said. He said, you'll know them by their fruit. Is that right? Well, guess what? We as believers are known by our fruit. Isn't that right? We're known by the fruit that we bear. This is important. Because Jesus talked about not hiding your light. And, you know, people think about hiding their light, and they just think of being ashamed of, the, ashamed of the gospel. You know, hiding your light is more than being ashamed of the gospel. It's, al it's allowing that fleshly part of you to be so bright that nobody can see your light. Amen. I, I liken it to this. You know, there, there are fruit trees that they have so much fruit on them, you can tell what's on the tree for a little ways away. That's an apple tree. That's an orange tree. I know what's on that tree, right? But you know, one time in the house we, we lived in in Kansas, the house we bought, there's a little old tree in the backyard, and I didn't know what it was. And uh, that tree somehow, they had planted an apple tree and a peach tree. And I don't know how they planted them so close together. It grew together. And one half of that tree was peaches, and the other half was apples. We had a weird tree in our backyard. Amen. And, and, and I didn't know it till one day I started examining the fruit. Apples, peaches. Amen. You couldn't tell what the fruit was. 
And you know what? I don't know what they had done to it. The fruit was no good on that tree. They tasted horrible, sour, bad. Amen. You could not walk in my backyard and tell me what that tree was. We finally cut the thing down. But, but, but here's the point. When people see you, they should see fruit. Hear me. Not works of the flesh. Fruit. Fruit. Right? And the only fruit that the Bible says we're supposed to be bearing is the fruit of the reborn human spirit, which is love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, kindness, joy, faith. Is that right? Amen. You say, Pastor, that seems like a tall order. Nope, you just, you just have to cultivate it. If you can keep it. Oh, hallelujah. So we as believers are known by our fruit. I say we're known by our fruit. We're known by our fruit. Look at Mark chapter 4. Am I helping you? Mark chapter 4, verse 28. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. When the fruit's brought forth, immediately putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. It requires time and effort to cultivate fruit. Notice, the earth brings forth fruit of herself. The blade, the ear, the full corn in the ear. Period of time. The fruit of the Spirit are spiritual character traits. It takes time to cultivate fruit. Amen. That's, that's why you see some believers, they try to cultivate gifts but not fruit because fruit takes time. Fruit takes effort. Fruit takes putting down the flesh. Fruit takes turning the other cheek. Fruit takes apologizing, asking forgiveness. Fruit, fruit requires that you say, I'm sorry I spoke to you that way. See, I'm not just talking about love, although that's predominant. If, if you want peace in your home, you're going to apologize. If you want peace in your home, you're going to ask somebody to forgive you. If you want peace in your home, you're going to say you were wrong. And what are you doing? Cultivating the fruit. Now, don't stay there. Don't be a whiny baby and just stay there. Always whining about what, where you missed it. Well, at some point, you got to put on your big boy pants and realize you missed it, but now we got to move on. Amen? And if you're married to a whiny baby, don't let him be a whiny baby. Make him get out of the crib or out of the playpen, pull the diaper off, get the whoopee out of their mouth, and make them, make them grow up. Amen? Hallelujah. Hmm. You got a whoopee? Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. But notice it takes effort. It takes effort. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, you know I, uh, I planted some vegetables this year. and didn't plant a whole lot because I'm, I'm, I'm getting my space all together. Now, Brother Ralph, he supplied me with a lot this year, eggplant and peppers. And, but, I, you know, I planted some cucumbers and, and some different stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, here's the thing. Even on that small scale, you have to work. Needs water, right? Got to keep them in the sunshine. Amen. 
But, you know, I got some big cucumbers this year, good cucumbers. And, and you know, they tasted better, and I think it was just because I grew them. <laughs> My effort, right? The ground knew what to do with the seed, but who cultivated it? When you take the seed of the Word of God and you put it in your heart, the seed knows what to do and the heart knows what to do, but it requires that you cultivate that seed. Oh, hallelujah. When you were born again, the Bible says when we were born again, according to Second Peter, that we were given all things that are required for life and godliness. Isn't that right? And it says when we got born again, we escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. How did we escape the corruption that was in the world through lust? Our spirits were made brand new. Our spirit is not corrupt. The fruit of the spirit grow in your reborn human spirit, which is uncorruptible ground. It is a sealed system that the enemy cannot access or touch. He cannot corrupt the fruit of the spirit in your life. The only one that can stop the fruit from growing is me. Hallelujah. That, that's why the devil hates the fruit of the Spirit. And that's why he gets people chasing, chasing signs and chasing gifts and, chasing, and putting the emphasis on these things. And the emphasis gets off the fruit of the Spirit. Notice, Jesus didn't say, they'll know you because of your miracles. He said, they'll know you because of your love. Amen. Hallelujah. And we're a miracle ministry. We see miracles regularly. But I need you to understand we're not chasing the miracle. We're not chasing the gift. We're after the fruit. It is more important that I help instill in you the character traits necessary to stand than it is to show you signs and wonders and have somebody always operating in the gifts. It is so important that you develop the character traits of Christ so when trouble comes, you can stand. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And we're a spiritual church. If you got a word of wisdom, word of knowledge you feel like the Lord gave you, you can come to any of our leaders and tell them what you believe the Lord said. Amen. And, and, and if we're in a position to do it, they'll let, we'll give you the microphone and let you say what the Lord said. Well, what if I miss it? Well, we'll just tell you you missed it, and then you can try again later. Isn't that right? Amen. Some of y'all know my pastor had two microphones on either side of the platform, and somebody felt like they had a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, they'd come up and just give it to the congregation. And there are times people missed it, and he'd say, well, no, just sit, sit down, try again later. That's my model. That's my model. Oh, glory. The fruit of the Spirit are character traits. Look at John 13. Mm. This is important. I'm going to keep saying that to you till you say it whenever you think about it. Boy, this is important. <laughs> it's important. You know, I've counseled marriages before, quite a few of them. Not because I'm perfect in my marriage, but because I'm people's pastor. And my wife says I'm perfect in my marriage, so. No complaints? Praise God. Y'all heard that, right? Okay. <laughs> but, but I'll say things. I'll say things. And people will just look at me like, really? 
Because you'll, you'll talk to people. And, and you can tell that when they're, when they're talking to each other, you can see the body language. And she, she, she's in this chair. And, you know, I got the chairs in my office. You know, they're, they're set. So if you sit in them, you can talk to the person on the other side of you. And so the chair's facing them. And the, the wife or the husband would be sitting in this chair. Talking over their shoulder. Well, he. Well, right now, right now I'm telling you, here's the problem we have. Y'all don't talk. I mean, you do talk, but it's not good talk. People say their problem's a lack of communication. No such thing as a lack of communication. Wrong communication. And so I'll say, turn to that per turn to your husband, turn to your wife. Do you love this person? I do. I love him. Tell him you love him. I love you. Well, I love you too. And then you'll say, here's what y'all need to start doing. When you get home, the first 30 minutes of your day, even if you got smaller kids, go tell them to hug them, kiss them, love them, tell them to go play. The first 30 minutes of your time home, sit there and talk to your wife. And here's what I'll get. I'm not saying, I don't mean 98% of the time or 99.99% of the time. I get it 100% of the time. Because it can't be that easy. That man doesn't want to cultivate any fruit in his marriage. He wants to come home and everything be fine, get all the sex he wants, and everybody love him and talk about how great he is, and him do nothing but sit in the lazy boy and do nothing. You know, they got a handle on there. We call it pulling wood. You know, you're whoomp. And now I'm home. The king is not coming. The king has returned. Oh, boy, I better hurry. That, that's important. And then they come and talk to me and wonder why the marriage is failing. Nobody's cultivating any fruit that will support that marriage. Husband, if you're cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you'll have something to give to your wife. If you're not cultivating the fruit of the Spirit, you don't have anything to give her. You can't give her love if you're not cultivating love. You can't give her peace if you're not cultivating peace. And I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, playing a broken record, however you want to say it. But I got single folks in here, and you're looking for somebody to walk through your life with, and you're looking for somebody handsome or somebody beautiful or somebody that's got the sustenance you need. You're missing the point. What's the fruit? I do not care if they are ugly as a hell-beaten barn door. If they are walking in the peace of God and they have the love of God in them and they'll love you like sugar candy, that's who you need to go for. Amen. I mean it. Well, I can't marry him. Well, why not? Well, he bald-headed. What, what, what does it matter? Why does he need hair? Amen. Does he have love? That love will make up for that follicle problem. Amen. Well, you know, I, I mean, I like her, but, you know, she a little heavy. Now, wait a minute, Slick. 
I got a full-length mirror right back here. What I'm trying to say, is there love there? Is the fruit there? See, that's the character trait. Because even if you get you one of them about that big around, 30 years from now, she ain't going to be that big around. None of us are. This, I was talking to Miss Jeannie one time, and she talked to me about watching a, a service that we did. And, 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 and she, was, she was referencing the minister. And, and it might have been me. But she said, she said you know, <laughs> you were a lot younger then and, and, and not as big around as you are now. <laughs> I thought I was doing pretty good. You come, come think of it, it might have been somebody else, but I'm not going to say who it was, so I'll, just, I'll take the blame. But, but I want to make sure, but, but amen. What am, I, what am I saying? That's all going to change. That's all going to change. You can keep it brown or black, but it's still gray. Right? You want... <laughs> You, you want the fruit. Fruit. You want the fruit. But back to my, my illustration. See, that man, he, he doesn't want to cultivate anything that's going to support his marriage. He wants you to fix his wife so that she won't give him a hard time. But ladies, let me help you with this. Nagging doesn't produce fruit. And you can nag on him all you want, and it's not going to produce fruit. You got to pray for him. Husbands, you got to pray for your wives. You got to get before God and seek God for him and pray for him. Amen. Getting in an argument with him isn't going to help. Well, what do I do? Walk off? Walk off. Yeah, but they'll get mad. They'll be mad by themselves. Because you're cultivating fruit. You're not trying to say you're wrong and I'm right. One of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And the Bible says as believers, we seek peace and we pursue it. You want a happy marriage, seek peace and pursue it. I'm not 100% right all the time. She's not 100% right all the time. But listen to me, this is so important. You, you got to understand something. I'm going to do things for my wife that I don't want to do and I don't like. And she's going to do things for me that she don't want to do and she don't like. My wife has went more places with me that she didn't want to go and didn't like going, but she went because she loves me. My wife is not a sports person. She does not know the difference between a tennis ball and a golf ball. She doesn't like to watch sports. She doesn't like to hear about sports. Amen. But she, she'd go to the Kansas City Royals ball game with me and sit in those hot bleachers and watch a ball game just because I wanted to. And I'd say, boy, isn't this great? And she'd say, mm-hmm. <laughs> My wife's idea of a good time is sitting on the end of the couch with a cup of nice, good tea and a book or her computer. Right? 
That's not me. I get up in the morning, it's like, what can I go do? And what can I do all day long? And let me tell you what it does not involve doing. Sitting on the couch. That's not me. That might be you. That's not me. But you know what? She goes with me, and I sit with her. Because we're developing something. Does that make sense? Oh, hallelujah. Well, I need to just find somebody just like me. You won't like you. You won't like you. You want somebody that compliments you. My, my pastor helped me one time. He said, you don't want to try to be your spiritual father, and you don't want to try to be your mentor. You want to be who God called you to be. And they, you, they might see the traits of your spiritual father in you or your spiritual mother in you, but you want to be who God called you to be. You want your marriage to be what God called it to be. And he called us to peace, and he called us to love. And you make that your aim, you'll have a good marriage. Amen. Amen. That's home and family living. Look at, did I tell you John 13? I'm hurrying. I got about 10 minutes. I can get it done. And if not, I'll be back. <laughs> John 13, verse 34. New commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. By this will all men know you're my disciples, that you love one another. So notice Jesus said the distinguishing characteristic of his disciples or us would be love, which is what? Fruit of the Spirit. Jesus didn't say they'd know we were his disciples by our gifts. He said they'd know us by our love, fruit of the Spirit. There should be gifts, but he didn't say that the gifts was how they would know. They'd know us by our love. Spiritual things always have an order. They always have an order. And if the fruit of the, of, uh, uh, if the, fruit of the, of the, of the Spirit are cultivated first, character, then that's a safe place for the gifts of the Spirit to operate if the fruit of the Spirit is cultivated first. It's far better to be known as a person of character than a person of miracles. Far better. It's far better to be known as a person of character than a person of miracles. Amen. Glory to God. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives are the expression of our true identity. And that's why we got to learn to live from the inside out. Got to learn to live from the inside out. You know, I've had people over, I'm, I'm giving you an answer here. I've had people over the years say, how could this person or that person, how could they have all these miracles in their meetings, and how could they have all this, and, and, and yet find out they're doing all these things behind the scenes? No fruit of the Spirit. Very simple. Very simple. When, when you look at the days of the voice of healing and all, and all those days, listen, obviously many of them were, were, would have been older, and so that's why they, they passed away. But most of those men in the days of the voice of healing died young and died sick. Why was that? They were operating in a gift. Wasn't their faith. It was a gift. And, and the ones that developed their faith had longer ministries. Dr. Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin, T.L. Lowry, 
Dr. Les Summerall, T.L. Osborne, those men all developed their faith and developed the fruit of the Spirit. But there, there's a plethora of men that I could name that you know, that you've heard of. Their ministries were cut short, and they were cut short by sickness, and they were cut short by tragedy because they didn't spend time developing the fruit of the Spirit. If you want a ministry in the kingdom of God, you got to spend time developing the fruit of the Spirit, which is the motor of ministry. If you're not developing the fruit of the Spirit, you got another motive for ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. We preach to people and pastor because we love people. Amen. We care about their families. We care about their marriages. We care about their children. We love them. The ministry is not a business, and it's not a job. It's a calling. It's what you're called to. And the fruit of the Spirit are the engine. It's the motor that keeps you moving. And that's what you're constantly developing. Oh, hallelujah. The fruit of the Spirit are the expression of our true identity. We learn to live from the inside out. Now, now notice Galatians 5. And, and we'll look at this real quickly. Because um, this is really where I wanted to get to. I think we've said a lot of good things, but I, I, I want you to grab this especially. Galatians 5, 16, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there's no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. One translation says, here's my advice, live your whole life in the Spirit and you'll not satisfy the desires of your lower nature. The believer is to regulate their lives by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Live our lives through the fruit. We live our lives through the fruit. This is not automatic. And here's why. The fruit of the Spirit are not just going to flow out of, out of us. Our bodies have to be trained. It's not just going to happen automatically. All right? Notice Galatians 5.24, and those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. Now, if you were raised Pentecostal, you heard about crucifying the flesh a lot. So did I. And, and, and I think sometimes we miss the gist of it, but I want you to see something. One translation says, those who belong to Christ have crucified their old nature with all that it longed and lusted for. Notice, it's so important. Sandwiched in between the fruit of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit is crucify the flesh. Fruit of the Spirit, crucify the flesh, walk in the Spirit. 'For some people you know, I'm not saying anybody in here, I don't know. For some believers that you know, they do not know what it's like to live a day without their flesh pulling on them and pushing them and tugging on them. They do not know what it's like to live a life free from the from the flesh trying to override them in everything that they do. And here's why they haven't crucified it. Now now listen, this is easier than it sounds. 
Because the Bible says in Galatians 2.20, what's it say? I am crucified with Christ. That's my, that's my place positionally, crucified with Christ. The old man, that's his position. He died with Christ. The new man rose with Christ. I am seated as the new man with Christ. That's my position. Is that right? That may not be your experience, but that is your position. If that's not your experience, understand this when I say this, if that's not your experience, it could be because the flesh still has so much, too much say in your life. We, how, how long did we talk about that, his power? And we talked about how we, we were seated with him far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Is that, is that, is that over, over all authority? Is that right? I have power and authority over all power and authority. Jesus said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So think about that for a moment. So if I have power over all the power of the enemy, but there's something that keeps pulling me down and weighing me down, most of the time, it's not the devil, it's the flesh. Because I, if I rebuke the devil, what's he do? If I resist him, what's he do? Isn't it interesting you can't rebuke your flesh? You got to crucify it. You got to deny it. It's right. Why well, can cast down imaginations? Where'd those imaginations come from? They came from the devil. You're stopping his mouth. You're stopping his work in your mind. But notice whose responsibility it is to crucify the flesh. It said those that are Christ have crucified the flesh. Mm. We crucify the flesh by walking in the Spirit. That's how easy it is. Because we give up, we sacrifice the works of the flesh when we walk in the Spirit. You sacrifice them when you walk in the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Look at, look at Romans 8, Romans chapter 8. In uh, verse 13, well, let's read verse 12. He said, therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live after the flesh. If you live after the flesh, you will die. But if through the Spirit you mortify, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Montgomery says that by the Spirit you keep putting to death. The 20th century says, by the power of the Spirit, you put an end to the evil habits of the body. So when we fill our spirits with the power that's in the Word of God, we can exercise dominion over the body and tell it what to do. Amen. Because I, I, I said, I think it was Wednesday, in the Word is the power source for the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And now you're telling the body what to do, and the body's not telling you what to do. It's in its proper order. Does that make sense? Now, now a lot of this sounds old-fashioned, 
But you know, when, when, when I was growing up in church, you got saved, it was just expected that you live right. Hmm. I didn't overshoot my goal, did I? It, it was just expected that you live right. I mean, I don't, I don't understand this. And, and you do whatever you want to do with what I'm about to say because you're going to think what you want to anyway. I, I, I've, I've never, I, I've, I, have lo- I fail to understand how we think we're doing people a service by lowering the bar. When Jesus is the model. But yet you'll hear people say, well, you know, you can still go to heaven with the works of the flesh in your life. Well, yeah, but who'd want to? Who wants to live a defeated Christian life and just get to heaven and make it, but that's it? You just make it. Well, at least I won't go to hell. Is that really your attitude? That's really your attitude. I don't know if you're saved. I don't know if you've ever been born again. You just want to make heaven your home. What about pleasing God? What, what, what about pleasing the one that created you and gave you your life, delivered you? There are people in here, the Lord healed your children and saved your children and turned your children's life around. And you want to piddle around with the flesh and keep one foot over here diddling around in the world and the other foot over here in church just because you don't want to go to hell? You need another dip. You need a move of the Holy Ghost in your life. Because when you get full of the Holy Ghost and you get full of the power of God, there's nothing about the world you want. Now, I don't know about y'all. See, I was raised not going to movies. We didn't go to movies. We didn't listen to no secular music. You didn't get in our car and hear country or pop. You didn't go home and find it. And I'm not saying that's what you need to do. But here's what I'm saying. We had, there was a difference between what we were as Christians and what the world was. And if it was the world, I don't want it. Amen. Amen. You tell the body what to do. I say you tell the body what to do. You're you're not just doing this to miss hell. You're living the Christian life to please God. Amen. That's what the Scripture says. It says that we are living our lives to please Him. And the more I cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, the more I will please Him with my life. You know, Pastor, I just don't want to get legalistic. That's an excuse That's an excuse not to bind yourself with anything that the Word of God says. I'm not talking about not wearing makeup, not cutting your hair, not wearing pants, ladies. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you binding yourself to the Word of God and saying, if this is what the Word says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to shun the very appearance of evil. I'm going to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but I'm going to reprove them, and I'm going to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in my life and live like I've been bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how I'm going to live my life. Amen. 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 Well, Pastor, you know, we all got things we're dealing with. We all got things that we should be putting to death. 
Not dealing with it. If you're dealing with something, that means you're, you're putting a stop to it. I think what a lot of the church does is they call what they're, they call dealing, what they call dealing with is really nurturing and babying. If you quit babying the flesh, it'll shut up. I'm, I got to quit. But I need you to see that. That's, that's why people look and they'll say, I don't understand. The, the people I went to church with, they just had such a walk with God and such a vibrancy. They didn't have to get up every day and wade through 10 yards of flesh to get to the things of God. They were cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. Am I helping you? And everybody is at varying stages of growth. But we're all going to get there. You keep coming here, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to grow. We're going to grow physically, and we're going to grow spiritually. And we're going to make it. And when we stand before God, if you stay with this church, when we stand before God, I promise you, I will present you mature to Christ. That's, that's our goal, is to present you mature to Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God.